L'chaim, Yidin, L'chaim, L'chaim. So first of all, first of all, B'shos, L'chashev Rabbanim, L'chashev Yidin. It's so nice getting together with other Jews, no? Isn't it nice? Yeah. Much nice, no? That's alone, that's alone, Kedai. We'll find any date on the calendar, as long as it's an excuse for Jews to get together and to enjoy each other's company. That's already worth it. Mice, once we're here... You know, so we might as well uh, share some words of Tyra. So it's like this. You know, there's a well-known letter. There's a well-known letter from the Baal Shem Tev. The Baal Shem Tev wrote a letter to his brother-in-law, who at the time was in Eretz Yisrael, Gershon Kitiver. And in this, in this letter, the Baal Shem Tev wrote to his brother-in-law that he had what's called an Elias Neshama. He had an experience... Of an elevation of the soul, he allowed his soul. He he allowed his soul to sort of to you know take a little bit of a breather from his body, and go up to heaven, go up to the all different chambers in Gan Eden. And the Baal Shem Tov said that he went to pay a visit to the soul of Mashiach Tzikena. And He visited Mashiach, and he asked Mashiach, "Vasekasimar, when are you coming? When is Mashiach coming?" So the Mashiach famously answered the Baal Shem Tov, based on a pasuk, that the I will come, said Mashiach, when your Torah, when your wellsprings, when the teachings of Chasidus spread forth all the way as far as it could possibly go. So the way it's understood is that the meaning of that is, is that the Mashiach was telling the Baal Shem Tev that there's something about the teachings of Chasidus, which is what here, which is what we're here to celebrate and to, to not just celebrate, that's a, it's a Shikol Gayusha word, you know? We're here to connect to we makash ourselves to the tzaddikim, to the souls that bring chasidus into the world. So that inyan, that reality that's called the teachings of chasidus, have a power to, and there's something about those teachings that bring that, the world that much closer to Mashiach, that prepare the world for Mashiach. Now let me explain for a second the way that works is not just like there's something about chasidus that has like some sort of magical power that's you know, as a school or some sort of uh, magical thing that Mashiach comes closer. The way it's explained is that the teachings of Hasidus is a little bit of a taste of the light of Mashiach. It's the residual light of Mashiach that has yet to come, but just around the corner, the residual light of that time bouncing back towards us. And you know how it is, when there's something very delicious, let's say you go to you go to a store or something, they want you to get they want you to get they want to get you to buy something, so they give you a little bit of an appetizer, you know, they give you a little bit of taste. And it tastes really good. So now you want to buy it. What what Hasidus is, is not just a certain type of teaching, certain nice ideas. Hasidus is a taste of Yumais Mashiach. It's a taste of Mashiach. And once you have a taste, you want the whole thing. So by studying and by connecting to the world of Hasidus, to the tzaddikim of that world, it's not just that one learns new ideas. It's a way through which a person is able to view the world through the lens of redemption. A redemptive consciousness. That's what Hasidus is. That's what Hasidus can do to a person. Now the truth is, as Rabbi Reichman mentioned before, it's not a coincidence that Yotas Kislev, which is the Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus, the day that we celebrate and we connect to that world of Hasidus, the consciousness of redemption. And it's not a coincidence that it's 
just a number of days before Hanukkah. Because the truth is, the Sermak Toshim have told us that Hanukkah is also the same quality. Hanukkah is not only a celebration, a yontif that's connected to the redemption of a particular exile of Greece, but it's brought down by all the is that the yontif of Hanukkah is a, is a taste of Mashiach itself. It's the Arhagon, it's the hidden light of creation, the light of Mashiach that will eventually, that soon enough, be revealed. And so Hanukkah also has this quality of not only having a beautiful, you know, eight days and, uh, and a yontif by itself, it's a ha'ar, it's an illumination, it's a ray of light coming from that sun that's called Mashiach Tzitkenu. So Yotes Kisayv Chasidus Bechlal, and its relationship to Hanukkah is this Indian of giving the Jewish person the ability to look at the world around us, even before Mashiach comes, with a redemptive consciousness, with the Meichin of Mashiach. So that's what I want to spend for just a few minutes. What does that mean exactly? What does it look like? Can we capture it in words, what it looks like for a Jew to open their eyes and to see the rest of the world, the, re- the world that we all see, but to see it through the lens of the light of Hasidus and the lens of the light of Hanukkah, the Meichen of Mashiach. So what does that look like? Okay, so in order to do that, let's investigate a little bit Hanukkah. Okay, for just a few minutes, let me ask some questions, a few questions about Hanukkah, and then from there we'll use it as a springboard to talk a little bit about the fundamentals of Hasidus and what it means to look at the world from the lens of Arish al Mashiach. Okay. So it's like this. The Rambam in, uh, in Mishnah Torah, in Hilchas Hanukkah, the first halach of Hilchas Hanukkah, the Rambam gives us a historical backdrop of what Hanukkah was. What was the story of Hanukkah? You know, the Rambam writes in his introduction that he's taking for granted, he's assuming that when you open his sefer, you know Tanakh, but nothing else. Tanakh and nothing else. So if you know Tanakh, you know everything that happened by the, from the beginning of creation until the end, until the very beginning of the second base of Migdash. Hanukkah happened after that. So the Ramam doesn't assume that you even know the story of Hanukkah. So the Ramam has to tell you about the story of Hanukkah. So that's what the Ramam does. At the beginning of Hanukkah, the Ramam writes, in the second base of Migdash, the Greek empire was sovereign over the land, and they levied heavy decrees upon the Jewish people, and it was difficult. And the Ramam goes on, and then he says a couple lines. The Jewish people had a very great difficulties because of the because of the Greeks. Until the God of our ancestors had compassion upon us, and Hashem saved us and brought us a redemption. Then the Ram continues. And the children of the family of Chashmonoi, who were the family of the Kahanim, they were victorious. They were. They, they became, they overpowered the Greeks. They horrogum and they killed them. They yodam and they brought the Jewish people salvation and the rest is history. The Rambam's wording, we know when you read Rambam, you have to be very meticulous about the words. The Rambam was very careful about his wording. The Rambam's lush and the Rambam's language is very, very strange. First, the Rambam says again, it was terrible, the Greek exile, the decrees, it was horrible, horrible, horrible. Then the Rambam says, okay, until Hashem had Rachmanus on us and brought us to salvation. And then the Ram says, new sentence, and, Vav is a new, is it and, and the Chashvinoi were victorious over the Greeks and brought us to salvation. If I was the Rambam and I was writing this, you know how I would write it, it would be like this. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. Until Hashem, our, uh, the God of our ancestors, had compassion on us, and through the hand of the Chashvinoi, the Kahanam Gedolim, saved us. The Rambam breaks it up almost as if it was like in two parts. Hashem had compassion on us and saved us. And the Chashmanoim 
then were victorious over the Greeks and saved us. As if the redemption was in two stages or something. It was all one Indian. It's one Indian. The Rabbanish Narachmanis on us and sent the Chashmanayim unbelievable help and miraculous abilities to redeem the Jewish people from the Greeks. Why is Ram describing it as if it's like in two parts? Hashem saved us and the Chashmanayim saved us. That's question number one. Another question. Everyone knows when it comes to Hanukkah, the Gemara and Shabbos tells us that there's a big famous machlekes between Beishama and Basil. How are you supposed to light the menorah, yeah? So what does Basil say? Basil says the way we do, which is what? That the first time of Hanukkah you light how many candles? One candle. And you increase the light. One, two, all the way till eight. Beishami says the opposite. Beishami says first you start with eight and you go down. You decrease. So the Gemara and Shabbos tells us two different versions of what the conversation was. Between Beisham and Basil, why does Basil say like this and Beisham say like this? So one version of the conversation is as follows. Beisham says to Basil, you know why I say, you know why I say you decrease the light? Don't blame me, says Beisham. I'm just following what it says in Chumash. We have another scenario in Chumash where you have a certain number that you, that you have and you see that throughout a certain period of time the numbers decrease. What's the example? Pariachag. On Sukkis in the Beis Hamikdash, there was a certain amount of seventy oxen that needed to be sacrificed on Sukkis, and you have to spread that out throughout all the eight, the eight days of Sukkis, seven eight seven eight days of Sukkis. So what is so the plus success? What you do is at the first day of Sukkis fourteen, and then thirteen, and so it keeps on going down. So you see, I'm just modeling. Says Beisham, model myself after Chumash. It says in Chumash that when you have a certain number, then you have to get to, and so on. So you decrease. You start from the highest number and you go down. So that's something with Hanukkah also. You start from eight, you go down to one. That's Beisham's argument, pretty solid. What is Basil's response? So Basil says, "Nah, Malin B'Kaidish, let me read You're supposed to go up in holiness. Malin B'Kaidish, you don't go down, you go up." Question is obvious. What type of response is that? Beishami made a valid point. I, don't look at me. Malam b'kashlem reidin. So bring that to Rabbanu Shleilim. Says in Chumash by Pariachak by the Karbanas of Sukkis, it goes down. So you're not answering my question. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not, you're not uh, responding to my argument. Beishami says Pariachak and Basil is like ignoring it and making another point of Malam b'kashlem reidin. If Malam b'kashlem reidin is true, then why are the Pariachak decreasing in number? The, the argument doesn't seem to. They're not talking to each other. The Gemara gives another explanation of what the back and forth is. And this other explanation has more of an understandable back and forth. But there's still something strange about it. The other back and forth is that Beishamai says, you know why I go down a number? Because I hold, says Beishamai, that I'm lighting the candles corresponding to how many days are coming. How many days have yet to come. I'm anticipating, I'm looking forward to how many days I have ahead of me. Therefore, says Beishamai, the first night of Hanukkah, I got eight days coming. So I get eight days. That's why I light eight candles. The second day of Hanukkah, no, one day's gone already. At least I got seven days coming. Seven candles. So on and so forth. Keneged yomim hanichnasim. What does Beis Hill respond? Bill says, I hear you. I say fakir. I say the opposite. I'm lighting candles based on how many days I already have under my belt. So I light the first candle the first night because I got one day under my belt. Second day, two candles. I got two days under my belt. And so on. Beishamay says, based on the days that are coming, Basil says, based on the days that already have passed, the days that I already have under my belt. That's the back and forth. There's one problem. The problem is one second. But w- there seems to be also this hidden disagreement about what about the day that you're sitting, in, that you're in the middle of right now. In other words, Beishami says, the first night of Hanukkah, how many candles do you light? Eight. Why? Because I got eight days coming. In other words, 
the, he's lighting the candles a little bit into the first night of Hanukkah. And Beishami says, even the first day has yet to come. I have, I have eight days coming to me. I, it's already the first night. It's an hour into the first night. 15 minutes into whatever it is. It just started. That's not, you know. I still have eight days coming. Basil says, no, I'm going to light based on how many days I already have under my belt. And how many days do I have under my belt? I have one day. Really? So it means that Basil is saying that the, the day that you, the moment, the, the night that you're lighting the candle, that day is already passed. So besides there being a disagreement between Bisham and Basil about whether I'm lighting based on the days that are yet to come or based on the days that have passed, there seems to be this other hidden disagreement about has today passed already or not? Beishamay says that today is still counted as one of the days that have yet to come. That's why I'm count- That's why I light eight, eight candles the first night, seven the second, and so on. Because the because the night that I'm lighting, that day that this night is a part of has yet to come. Yet Basil is saying the opposite. Not only does Basil disagree with the premise. And he says that I should light candles based on how many days have passed already that are already under my belt. He's also disagreeing with the idea of the, of the night that you're in. And the fact that the first night, you already have one day under your belt. So let's understand. So, what, what, so it's just a, a random thing that they happen to be disagreeing about these two points. The whole conversation between Bisham and Basil needs explanation. That was the hard part, okay? So don't worry about it. We'll get back to it. All right, so I want to share with you one of the, one of the most core fundamental principles in all of Tarsus And it's rooted in, in all of Pinyas Atar and the Kisveri and so on. The Chassidus brings it, like, 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 the, like the rabbi mentioned, the Chassidus brings it to life. Or Vichyas Namshain. It says in Pasuk, Elkim Asa Sa'adam Yashar, the Hema Bikshu Chashbain is Rab. It says in Pasa, God created the human being straight and simple, and the human being made things complicated. The way that Pasa is usually interpreted is simply, God made us simple, and very straight, life is straightforward, and we overcomplicate things. In Chesidus, we're taught that the meaning of that Pasa is more than just the individual person overcomplicating life. That is a way to look at all of reality itself. What do I mean? See, the way, we, the way we think of reality is, is that I'm in this room. Yeah, I'm in this room. That's for sure. And there's a lot of stuff in this room. There's a lot of tables, a lot of chairs. There's a lot of soda bottles. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of oxygen molecules. There's a lot of stuff here. And, and because of that, this room is complicated. And, you know, it's easy to bump into this chair and to knock over that bottle. It's a lot of stuff. In Chesidus and Pneumus Atar, we're taught that everything we experience in this world, with all of its complications, with all of its confusions, with all of its light and with all of its darkness, with all of its good and all of its evil, all of this are really just branches that are the final, final extensions of something that started off very simple and very straightforward. Everything that we experience in life, the way to think of life is like a tree. It's like a tree. A human being is compared to a tree and the whole world is, compared, is, is created for the human being. So the whole world is like a tree. When you look at a tree, there's two parts to the tree. There are the branches 
and there's the trunk of the tree. Yeah? Let's put it that way. The branches of a tree are very complicated. Very complicated. If you look at a tree and you try to start counting each leaf and try to figure out, you know, try to like sort of uh, trace the twig back to where it comes from, it's very complicated. But all those branches don't exist independent. All those branches are extensions and just the unfolding of what's contained in the trunk of the tree. And the trunk of the tree is pretty simple. It's one simple trunk. So you have one simple reality called the trunk. And from there comes a complicated, intertwined, confusing reality called branches. In Pneum Satur, we're taught that that's exactly how life is. Everything in this world is, has a root, has a trunk that it's coming from. And everything we experience down here is really an unfolding and an unpackaging and a manifestation and an overcomplication of what reality is in its root. The way to think of reality is not just as things that we bump into. The way to think of reality is, is, is something that's, that there's the root of reality in the higher world in the spiritual dimension. And from there, physical reality unfolds. From there, physical reality unfolds. There's the trunk, and from there, the branches come. And the, and, and the fundamental difference, and there are two fundamental differences between the world of the branches and the world of the trunk of the tree. The root versus the branches. In the world of the branches, things are complicated and messy, and there's a lot of good, and there's maybe even more bad. There's good, healthy twigs and healthy leaves, and there's unhealthy twigs and healthy, and there's worms, there's bugs, there's birds that break off. The, there's all sorts of stuff that are good and bad and complicated in the, in the branches. But the reality where this is all coming from, from the root, from the trunk, first of all, it's simple, straightforward. And number two, it's all good. When a person experiences this world, when a person experiences this world, what we see is, again, as I said, a complicated world and a world that has a lot of good and a lot of evil. And as Jews, our job is to make this world holy. So how do you do that? So one straightforward approach is to face the enemy head on, so to speak. You're in a complicated world. You're in a world where there's a lot of chayshach, a lot of darkness. So what do you do? You fight the darkness. You grapple with those temptations. You grapple with those enemies. You try to make order of the complicated and intertwined branches. But there's another approach. The other approach is to look at the world of the branches and to say to yourself, one second, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to remind myself that what I'm seeing is really just an unpackaging of a much deeper reality. And that deeper reality is uncomplicated, simple and straightforward. And if I see darkness in this world, I can make a choice. And this is the Chiddush of Chassidus. The Chiddush of Chassidus is that it's up to you. You can decide and you can choose which level of reality you want to interface with. You have no choice but to conquer this world for God. That's not up to you. Your objective is to make this world holy. But you have two ways to do that. You could either live in the world of the branches and deal with darkness and face it head on and wrestle it to the ground if you're strong enough. Or you have another option. 
you have the right and the privilege and the ability and maybe the responsibility to live in the root. To close your eyes to the dimension of reality that's called the branches, where there's literally good and evil. And you could say to yourself the following thing, if what I'm seeing, if I'm facing evil, if I'm facing chayshech, if I'm facing complexity, then I have to redefine what this is based on what it is in its root. And the root, and in the root of, the, of reality, the root of the world, all there is is godliness or more godliness. When you, have, when you experience something in your life that's broken, that's no good, that's chayshech, that's dark, that's confusing, that's rotten, what is that space, what is that corner of your life as it is in the trunk of the tree? In the trunk of the tree, it says in Pasuk, Lo there's no evil in the trunk of the tree. So how is there evil in your life? The reason why there's evil in your life is because in the trunk of the tree, there's just not enough light. So you have two, your objective is to get rid of evil. But you have two options, two eights, two mahalchim, how to do that. Either you can live in the world of the branches and try to wrestle evil to the ground, or you can live as it is in the root. And you can say that what I see right now in front of me, which is the angel of Asaph, and I see chaos, and I see disorder in my life, what I'm really seeing is just not enough godliness in the root of my life. And if I increase the light of Hashem in the root, then the branches will take care of themselves. If a person is very cold, and you have, let's say, a fire to warm yourself up, what part of your body should you warm up most? Your fingertips? No. You should warm up your your torso, your chest, and so on, your internal organs, and your outer limbs will take care of themselves. The Chiddush of Chassidus, and what is in, what's going to be with the coming of Mashiach? See, with the coming of Mashiach, it's not just that everything's going to be okay, and it's going to be Gavaldic. It's going to be like that too. The Chiddush of Mashiach is that we're Amamish going to be able to see reality and live reality as it is in its root. You see, it's like every, everything, everything that we know, the, the world that we, that we, that we, that we uh, live in, Chazal say, the Rabbanu looked into the Torah and created the world. Everything is sort of the Torah. Everything is just the materialization of Torah itself. There's two parts to Torah. There's the part of Torah that God said. There's the root of Torah, the trunk of the tree. And there's the branches. What are the branches of Torah? This mitzvah, that mitzvah, this sugya, this taisis, this rashi. It's all very, very complicated. But when you boil it down, when you get to the trunk of the tree, what's the trunk of the tree? The trunk of the tree is absolutely simple and straightforward. The trunk of the tree is, I'm Hashem, your God, that's it. And there's no other God. That's it. The rest is commentary. Everything that we experience that's complicated is, is, is only as it exists in the branches, not as it is in the root. In the root, it's just a question of more anoichi and a little bit less le'ilacha. Just increase godliness in your life. What does it look like when Mashiach comes? You know what it's going to be? With Mashiach, it's going to be obvious to us that every single experience that we have in this world is nothing more than the Rabbani Shalom himself telling us one simple and coherent and straightforward message, which is, I am God, I love you, I want you to come close to me. That's it. That's it. All of that, that's one single message, has a lot of clothing. And it results in many, many branches. But if you live in the world of the branches, then very often you lose the message. 
and all you see are the complicated branches. The coming of Mashiach means that it's going to be obvious to us. We'll be able to hear that single straightforward message within every single branch. What does it mean, Chasidus? What does it mean, Hanukkah? What does it mean to have a little bit of the light of Mashiach pre-Mashiach? It means that you have the right to make that choice and to say, I'm going to live in the world. And my objective is to conquer the world. But the way I'm going to conquer the world is by retreating to higher ground. I'm going to retreat to higher ground. There's an old marshal that the, the tzaddikim said, between two, let's say that you have two armies. There's a whole mindset. The Balshantav himself saw this happen. And it was... In a, Balshanta said that he saw that there was a, an invading army into a certain country. And the invading army were stronger than the native country. They had more weapons, more soldiers, more technologically advanced, the whole deal. And it's a big problem if you're the native country, big problem. But the one advantage the, the, advantage the native country had was they knew their topography, they knew their country, their, the lay of the geography of their country, they knew better than the invading army. So what did they do? So they began to quote-unquote retreat. The enemy sees the, native, the natives retreating. Oh, it means they don't not suck, so they, they continue going in. But what they don't realize is, is that the native country, they're not retreating. They're retreating to higher ground. They know which position in their country is going to be better to defend themselves from. Now, the enemy doesn't realize that. So what they do is they eventually get to a higher ground surround the enemy without the enemy realizing it, and then despite their lower numbers, they're able to overcome the enemy. That's a lesson in Avayda Sashem Chav. You have a choice. You have to get rid of Chayshech in your life, we have to get rid of Chayshech in the world. But you have a choice. Either you wrestle darkness to the ground, or you say to yourself, I am going to retreat to higher ground. I'm going to be makasher myself, I'm going to focus my mind and and to connect my soul to godliness himself. I'm going to reorient my vision to see everything in my life as one of two things, either God's light or not enough God's light. Everything I experience that's good, I appreciate it, I say thank you to Hashem because it's God's light in my life. Everything that's not good in my life is just Hashem telling me, increase light. That's all there is. And if I do that, and that's what I, and those are the messages that I hear because I'm living in the trunk of the tree, the branches will take care of themselves. That's what Hanukkah was. Like Rabbi mentioned before, Rabbim Biad Mahatim Hanukkah was the many in the hands of the few. So how's it possible? How'd it work out? The answer is, it's many in the world of the branches. But the Hashem, you know what they did? They retreated to higher ground. Mamish, take a look in Josephus, that's what, even militarily, physically, that's what they did. They fought in such a way of retreating to higher ground. And B'derach HaVoyda, that's what Hanukkah is. Hanukkah is retreating to higher ground. And once you fix the issue in its root, it's only a matter of time until it materializes in the branches. Let's go back. What did the Ramam say? How did the Ramam describe Hanukkah? It was terrible, terrible, terrible. There was a lot of darkness, a lot of chaos. The Yavanim were overrunning us. Terrible decrees. Said the Rambam, Until the God of our ancestors and saved us and gave us his salvation. Stop, period. In other words, that means the Rambam is telling us the salvation took place in its root. The salvation took place. The Rabbani Shalom already, there was a gul in Shemaim in the root, in the trunk of the tree. Once there's a gul in the root of the tree, 
then it's just a matter of time until you see it manifest in the branches. Step two, the Chashmonoim were victorious and brought us a physical salvation. But the salvation was not the Chashmonoim. It was just that salvation of the Chashmonoim, which is, which is in reality of the branches, physical reality, was just, in a, just a revelation of what already took place in reality in its root. And that's not a coincidence. That's exactly what Hanukkah was. That's how the Yavadim defeated the Greeks. That's the light of Mashiach. That's the Meichel of Mashiach. We ask the question. Beishamay says to Beisillel, you should light the candles decreasing in order because the Pariachag, the Karbanis, the 70 oxen decrease in order. And Beisillel responds, Malan Bakaydish, let me read them. What's one to the other? What type of conversation is that? The answer is, the 70 oxen are not just a random number of 70. 70 corresponds to the 70 nations. That means all the complications, all the darkness, all the insects and all the bugs and all the dead leaves, everything that's wrong in the world of the branches. And the Pasuk describes the 70 oxen decreasing in number. It means, it means darkness is becoming defeated. And Beishamay says that's what Hanukkah was, decre- de- defeating darkness. And we see the darkness de- de- decreasing, so you decrease the numbers of candles corresponding to that. Says Basil, I agree with you, but you know why that's happening? Do you know why the Chashvinoim are defeating the Greeks down here? Do you know why it's getting better? Do you know why there's less Chayshech in the world? Is because Malam Bakaydish will read because there's an increase of light in its root. This is what Basil is saying to Beishamay. He's saying to Beishamay, don't live in the branches, live in the root. You have the right and the responsibility to escape the world of the complicated branches, retreat to higher ground. You do that, things are much more simple, straightforward, and easier to handle. It's much easier for a Jewish soul to increase light than it is to wrestle darkness. And this is the Chiddush of Chassidus that you have the right to do so. This is why Beisham Yisrael also have a disagreement about the day that you're in. If you look at reality from the world of, of just the physical reality that our eyes see, Beisham is 100% right. When you light the Hanukkah candles, that means that day of Hanukkah just started. It's just a few minutes into it. Most of the day has yet to come. So Beishamai on a very simple level is true. The day that you're in, the, 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 candle that you're, the, the night of Hanukkah that you're lighting, that day has yet to come. It still counts amongst the days that are nichnasen, that have yet to come. But the whole orientation of Basil is to see things in this vantage point of trunk branches. That everything you experience is already rooted in its beginning. It's just unfolding and unpackaging what already, what, what already is there. Therefore, from the vantage point of Beis Hillel, the rest of the day is already contained in its very beginning. So you have a few minutes into Shkia, it's already showing the day. It's already showing the day, because this is the machlaikis, this is the difference vantage point between Beis and Beis Hillel. And who we paskin, like we paskin, like Beis Hillel. It's brought down on this firm hill, it's Lev, the one that heals the broken heart. Because all of our hearts are broken, we see Chayshech in the world there, it's Yisrael and so on. So let me tell you something, Chavra, I'll be straightforward and honest with you. There are some Yidin that they have no choice but to deal with the darkness of the branches. But you don't, if, if, unless the Rabbani Shalom forced you and is forcing you to deal with that and to deal with the enemy head on, then that's not your battalion. Your battalion is not to deal with the darkness head on unless you have to be in that place. Unless you're forced to wrestle with the Malach of Esav, the Eitzah the Mahalach, the Avaidah of us is retreat to higher ground. Only see things as are. 
what you see in life is one of two things. Either the Rabbanu Shalom's presence, or the Rabbanu Shalom telling you, increase my presence. That's it. That's all there is. This is the way of Chassidus, this is the way of Pnei Torah, and this is the tremendous schus as American Jews that we have, or at least amongst American Jews, many of us, we don't have to deal with the Malach Avesav in front of our face, and Al-Tif Tachpeh, we should never have to deal with it. But don't feel bad, and don't feel like, you know, survival's remorse, that you don't have to deal with the Malach Avesav. It means Rabban Shem is giving you an opportunity to fix the world by fixing its root. When you have eyes of a chassid, when you have eyes of tzaddikim, and you have eyes of pnei satayra, and all you see is one of two things: Everything in life is Hashem telling you, "I love you, I need you, I want you to come closer to me." Zel, then automatically you're fixing everything. It might not seem, it might not feel like it, and it might take a moment. But already you're establishing in reality that Rechem Hashem that Hashem has already had compassion on us. And Hashem has brought us salvation. And the rest is just unpackaging what already is. Don't waste the unbelievable gift that you are given, which is the ability to live in its root, to live in that serene, pristine place of Shoirish and everything else. Warm up the torso. The rest of your limbs will take care of themselves. Let me end off just with a couple lines. If you don't mind, it's Kedai. One of the great Chassidim, he started off as a Chassid of Baltani, eventually by the Mittler Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, Revil Paratcher. So there's a line from Revil Paratcher like this, just a couple lines. Derech the the earlier generations, the way of dealing with the enemy was, Lilchem Imara was to face the enemy head on, face to face. Until Revil Paratcher, that worked very well in the earlier generations. Ach etzloi, but by the Balatanian, by the Mizrach Shemagid, by the Balshem, the Schadish Indian Chadish. A new Mahalach, something new came in, which is the Neshamas Shefelis Daika, specifically to lower Neshamas, to weaker Neshamas. Sheinichon Limshal Al Harashi Vikirim, that they don't have the strength to face the enemy head on. So the Balshem are brought down to the world in Eitzah, which is the following. Al Kein Hoya Atza Sadmor. Therefore, the Eitzah of the Balatanian, the Balshem was. Defeat the enemy. Get rid of Chayshech. But the way you get rid of Chayshech is by binding yourself to divinity itself, to the Rabbanu himself. That's your focus, that's your mission, that's your orientation, that's where you live. And the rest will take care of itself. And automatically all evil will dissipate the more you bond yourself to godliness and the more you increase godliness in the root of your life. This is the fundamental principle, this is the foundation of Chassidus and of Chabad Chassidus in particular, the Sefer Tanya. That's it. Hashem should bless each and every one of us to be able to use our eyes properly to see each other as just extensions of God, to see ourselves as extensions of God, to see reality as just one message, which is Hashem calling to you and telling you, I love you, I need you, increase my presence. That's it. Yisparadu kopal yavin, we should to experience that, and the redemption. Be'inayim niglim, be'es kol tzedek brachim, be'es kol tzedek meher, amen. Amen.